Good evening. Um, it is a privilege and a joy to be standing here. Um, and I want to thank you, thank Josh, uh, for giving me the opportunity to, to, to preach this evening. And uh, anytime I'm asked to preach, it is, uh, I feel like it's a gift to be able to, to, uh, to have that time to, to look into the, God's Word and to, and to really think about it, to think deeply, to pray through it. Um, and, and so no matter what happens this evening, um, I, I've, been, uh, I've been edified, I've been, I've been built up uh, through my preparation um, for, for this evening. Um, so, uh, as you know, we've been going through uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. And, uh, and this, this week we are, we are at kindness. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're not careful, if you, if you memorized uh, the fruit of the Spirit at some point, that might just be one that just you skip over. If you're, if you're trying to repeat it from memory, that might, you might just skip right over kindness. Or uh, or goodness or gentleness or you know, uh, or but I think it's important for us to, to to pause this evening to take a look at what it means to be kind and kind after the example of Jesus our Savior. Uh, again, as I was looking into what it means to be kind this this week, I um, I couldn't help but think about the the kindness. That we've experienced here uh, at this church during our time here. Um, it is about two and a half years, uh, two years and a few months that we've we've been coming here, and we've been blessed and enriched and built up by your kindness to us. You know, in in many ways, for uh, for a young minister. Who is trying to learn what it means to 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 be a minister, to be a pastor, um, to serve the Lord in that way? Um, I I can think of no better place to do that than here. Um, just because I you you hear stories about churches, and maybe you've been a part of a church um, where just a lot of a lot of unkind things happen, a lot of unkind words are said, a lot of uh, back and forth, a lot of backbiting and rumors and, and accusations and um, and complaining, and um, you all have been just so gracious and kind to me and and Rachel and our family, and we uh, have such deep affection for all of you, uh, in part because of that. So before we launched into that, I just wanted to let you know that I couldn't help but, but think over that while I was preparing for this evening. So thank you. <clears throat> so uh, before, we, before we read this passage again, I know, I know we've, uh, we've gone through it a couple times already, um, but I wanted, to, I wanted to maybe ask some questions or, or, or line up a couple of scenarios. Um, so say you're. Uh, I want you. I want you to picture yourself at at a restaurant, and, uh, and the waitress is um, maybe not as attentive as you would like for her to be. Um, maybe your tea glass doesn't get refilled the whole meal. Maybe she brings you the wrong food. Um, uh, maybe 
maybe she's rude to you. Maybe she uh, is just flat out rude. Um, and I'm sure we've all had this, this experience before. And uh, I wanted to ask how, how you responded. How did you respond whenever that happened? Uh, what was your first impulse whenever you felt like you were being slighted, like you weren't getting what you paid for, like you, like you had this respect that was being taken away from you? Uh, how did you respond? How do you respond whenever you uh, are involved in a political conversation with someone who disagrees with you? You know, if someone says, man... I just think Bernie Sanders just has some great ideas about how to run our country, and I just I love I love what he says about this. And maybe you're not a Bernie Sanders fan, and you uh, how do you what's your first instinct in that situation? What's your first impulse? What's your attitude whenever you're driving uh, down one of the many roads in Louisville, or uh, I assume some in Fairdale, and I know in in uh, Jeffersonville where we live. Uh, every now and then you'll see a person holding a sign that says homeless, hungry, or uh, would like work, or you know something like that. Whenever you see that person, what is, what is your first thought? What is, your, what is the way that you respond? Now, I'm not going to say that you shouldn't send your food back at the restaurant. I'm not going to say that you, sh that you can't politely share your political opinions or ever talk about politics. Um, I'm not going to say that you, shouldn't give, uh, that you should give your money to every homeless person that you see. Uh, but I do think that all these scenarios, and there are many more, um, can, if we look at how, how we respond to them or, or maybe our thoughts whenever we, uh, we are in them, uh, I think they reveal a little bit about uh, if we are a kind person, if we, uh, if, if we have the fruit of the Spirit uh, growing in us, and that fruit being kindness. I think that though we may fare very well in one situation, we might have another area where, where we struggle to be kind, maybe while we're driving perhaps, um, I know that's a, that's a struggle for me. Uh, Rachel can tell you. Uh, I want to ask this evening, is your life marked by concern for other people? If someone were to be asked, if, if you were to ask one of your friends or your spouse, uh, is so-and-so a kind person? Uh, is, is their life marked by con tender concern for other people? What, what would they say? How would you score on that test? So this is our topic tonight. And uh, we're going to approach it in sort of a roundabout way uh, because we're going to be looking at works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit, or the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, first, this evening, I want us to consider how the flesh makes us inward-focused. How the flesh makes us focused on ourselves. Second, this evening, I want us to look at how the Spirit makes us focused outward, how the Spirit helps us to reorient our focus toward other people and to see them, uh, to see them properly. Uh, so first, how the flesh makes us inward focused. Second, how the Spirit makes us others focused. 
I want you to read with me, in verse, uh, starting verse 19 of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, we're, we're going to camp out there for just a, just a, a little bit, and then we're going to move on to the fruit of the Spirit. Um, our uh, preachers leading up to, uh, in the previous weeks of this series, have done, done a fantastic job of, of, of contrasting these two these lists, the, the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit. Um, but I can't... I can't get to where I want us to be this evening without at least running over it a little bit. So, um, so let's, let's look at, at the works of the flesh in verses 19 through 21. First off, I want to make sure that we're, we're clear whenever we, whenever we uh, read the word flesh. What, do we, what does Paul mean whenever we look at this passage and he's using the word flesh, the works and, and the desires of the flesh? Are we simply talking about our, our bodies uh, he sometimes uses the uh, flesh like that, uh, but not in this case. In this case, um, Paul's writing about flesh like he writes about the old man. Uh, if you, if you, in other passages, he'll talk about the old man. He's talking about our mind, our will, our emotions that are still subject to the power of sin. We're still affected by sin. Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, we gravitate toward the works and the desires of the flesh. Apart from Christ, we are doomed to lives marked by the characteristics in the passage that we've just read, verses 19 through 21. Um, now, obviously, we may not Apart from, apart from God, we may not engage, of all of the, engage in all of these activities, but these are markers, significant markers about what it means to live a life that is not concerned at all with God's, uh, God's design for us. These are, this, this list tells us that human beings, apart from God, are constantly turning inward, trying to focus on ourselves. We cast envious glances at other people's possessions and accomplishments. We experience cheap and meaningless sex apart from God's design. We stir up strife. We always insist on our own way, bow down to counterfeit gods, money, fame, fortune, power. These, these things are joyless grabs for happiness. We, we, we engage in them apart from Christ. Uh, you, may remember, you may remember, if you, if you had a significant portion of your life before you became a Christian, you, you remember uh, what it means to be enslaved to your desires, to feel like you can never stop... Um, trying to get more, trying to, to experience more, at, even at the cost of, uh, of other people. 
lives apart from Christ are constantly turning inward, trying to find happiness apart from the Lord. These desires are from the flesh. And they all have at least one thing in common. They're inward focused. Whenever I insist on uh, a, a certain place to eat, whenever I just, you know, I try to make you feel bad about suggesting another place. If I've got, if I've got somewhere in mind, I'm like, well, I guess we can do something else. Like, if, I, if I'm really, really trying to sort of manipulate you into that, what is that? I'm, I'm, I'm being selfish. I'm being inward focused. If someone cuts me off in traffic, uh, and I feel the need to maybe just speed up and pass them, uh, what, where's that coming from? You know, like, What's that, what's that accomplishing? In my mind, um, I'm, I'm hoping for some sort of sense of rightness in the world. If, I, if I'm able to pass him, then I'm, I'm where I'm back where I'm supposed to be, and, and maybe I've gained some sort of respect that I lost. Um, all I'm thinking about is myself. I don't know what's going on in that person's life. I don't know if, uh, like me, they were just maybe distracted and did it accidentally. Uh, I've done that before. Whenever I see a homeless person with a sign, and I think whenever I drive up next to him and he's, you know, six feet, uh, six feet outside my window, and I think, man, you know, it's just so awkward whenever he's just standing there and, like, I'm, I'm at this light and he just, he's looking at me. And, and uh, like, so what am I, what am I doing? I, I'm, I'm totally just engrossed in, like, how this is affecting me how it's making me feel uncomfortable, like it's ruining this song that I was listening to. I'm thinking about his situation now, and I don't, I don't like it because it's sort of messing with my world. Um, this is the inward focus of fleshly desires. In our sinfulness, we are constantly turning inward. We're not caring about our neighbor. We're not able to be kind to someone else. Let's move along to, uh, to, to verse 22. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Man, after, after the previous list that we just went through, uh, isn't this a, a lovely uh, list of things to look through when you contrast the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit? Um, do you see that this list, this, that these virtues bring us out of ourselves? They bring us out of ourselves to help us love our neighbors. Though they're intensely personal, though all of these have to deal with our, the inner workings of our heart, they're all virtues that are fundamentally good for people around us. This is simply not just a list of, uh, of good things that we should strive toward, though. I want to I make that clear. This, we're not trying to avoid simply the works of the flesh and just try to churn out uh, some some uh, some of the works of of the spirit. It's not that's not the way that it works. Paul says that these gifts, well, that's that's just what they are. They're gifts from the Holy Spirit. Uh, whenever we turn from sin toward Christ, the briars and brambles of sin will give way 
to an orchard of righteousness. These gifts come into our lives and they enrich everything. So how do, how do, we, get, how do we get these gifts? It's by, it's by trusting in Christ. It's by realizing that the, work, that the flesh has already been dealt a fatal blow. Uh, we see that in, in verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If you are a believer, the old man, the flesh, is crucified. It's still alive, but it's been dealt a death blow, and there's no way that it will get back up, even though it may struggle we may struggle with it for a while. Although we struggle with the flesh, we don't struggle with it like two equally matched boxers coming out of their, their side of the ring and who's going to win. Uh, you know, there's, there's that question. But we struggle with the flesh more like, uh, I heard this illustration once, uh, m- more like when a man, uh, if a man were to slay a dragon, he would deal the dragon a death blow. And the dragon's not quite dead, but it will be. But until that time, that dragon's still dangerous. It still flares up. It still it can still do damage. That's more like our struggle with the flesh. When Christ died, our sin was laid in the tomb with him. Jesus walked out, but our sin is still there. So what is the Holy Spirit's role in all of this? And what does it have to do with kindness? The Holy Spirit's role is to turn our attention toward Christ and enable us to live lives that are holy, pleasing to God. We can trust that the Spirit will be working in us now because we have, we have trusted in Christ. We have a promise that the Spirit has come into, a, into us and we will be bearing fruit. The more that we trust in Christ, the more fruit we will bear Let's look at some scriptures together. I want us, I want us to look at some scriptures together uh, because I would like for us to see, like you, you've already seen this contrast between the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit. Um, but in order for us to pursue the gifts of the Spirit, in order for us to learn how to be kind, I think it is incredibly important to see Jesus' role in all of this, to see Jesus' role in, in all of this. Let's, let's look at some examples of the kindness of our Lord. Let's, let's look. Uh, Matthew chapter 19 is, is uh, it's the first place we'll look. I'm just going to run through a few of these. Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. Then children were brought to him, to Jesus, that he might lay hands, lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. 
So to these, to these children who could offer Jesus nothing, who were considered to be insignificant in this culture, Jesus sees value. Jesus sees an opportunity to be kind, to be a blessing. Matthew chapter, nine, uh, chapter 9, if you flip back a few pages, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 Jesus has been teaching, he's been healing, and he's, got, he's gathered, this, this crowd has gathered around him, following him, trying to see what he'll do next. Verse 36 of Matthew chapter 9, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Um, Jesus Jesus did not come into the world um, like he could have. He, he could have come in and immediately demanded worship from everyone, but rather he comes in, he, he, he comes into our world and he sees the helpless, harassed, hurting people around him, and he has compassion for them. He sees them, uh, each, each of them has their own story. They've, they've been uh, hurt by life's trials and, and tribulations. They're, they're sick with sin and with, uh, with death, with disease. He, look, he looks at them and he sees a harassed and helpless people. And he says, someone needs to lead these people. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Another example, almost done with these. Luke chapter 22 verse 50. I, I'm just continually amazed by this. Luke chapter 22, verse 50. Right after Jesus has been praying in the garden, sweating drops of blood, thinking about the crucifixion to come, thinking about bearing our sin, he's betrayed by one of his close friends. And uh, and then the then the disciple one of the disciples pulls out a sword to to uh, to try to fight these these men who have come to arrest Jesus. And uh, verse fifty it says, and one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. This is almost like a like you can easily miss this if you're if you're reading too quickly, um, but. In the midst of being arrested, being betrayed by one of his closest friends, in the midst of knowing what's going to happen with him, knowing what's going to happen to him on the cross, um, Jesus bends down, picks up Malchus's ear. Um, well, actually, we don't know exactly how, how he healed it, but that's, that's what I'm imagining. He, but he has concern for this man who has come to help arrest him, and he heals him. In the midst of in the midst of this betrayal, Jesus Jesus' life is marked by a focus on other people. Jesus' life is just is just a track record. He has this track record of of constantly looking to other people and seeing their needs, seeing uh, seeing their their hurts, and he he wants to help. He wants to be kind to them. He wants to help them. You don't have to turn here, but uh, 
But there's one more, there's one more example of the kindness of our Lord. Um, Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5 say, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. In the original language that, that Paul's writing in, uh, this is the same word. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Also, he says that whenever the kindness of Jesus appeared, that's when He saved us. And it wasn't because we had so much to offer Him. It wasn't because we had been so faithful to Him. It wasn't because we had, uh, that we were worth saving intrinsically. But He saved us because, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. See, that's one of the things about kindness. It's not contingent on getting a certain response from someone. You know, oftentimes, you, you've, I'm sure you've experienced this, uh, kindness goes um, unnoticed, uh, or un- unappreciated, or even worse, if you're kind to someone and they repay you with, um, with meanness or with betrayal. Um, kindness is not contingent on a certain response from someone. And this is most clearly seen in the kindness of our Lord. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were nailing Him up to that cross, He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See the kindness of our Lord in our salvation. If, and, and to the degree that we get this, the more fruit that we can bear in this area. No matter what someone is doing to us, no matter how they're acting, we can be kind. We look at the example of our Savior and we know that even though He was bearing the weight of our sin on the cross, He still managed to be kind to sinners uh, when we see that, and when we trust in that, we can sort of start stumbling our way toward being kind in the way that he did. But it's hard. It's hard. I want us to take a look back at, uh, at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, um, the tail end of this passage. Or, let me see. Yeah, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Whenever we belong to Jesus, um, our, our flesh is crucified. Um, belonging to Christ sounds great. Uh, it sounds wonderful, but crucifying our passions and desires doesn't sound like quite as much fun. Crucifying our desires ultimately feels like dying, and that's because it is. Whenever that unkind word sticks in our throats and we push it down, it's hard. It feels like dying. It feels like giving up. 
whenever we refuse to have the last word in an argument, feels like dying. Whenever we, whenever someone cuts us off in traffic and we just decide, you know what, I'm just going to keep going like normal. I don't know what, what that person's deal is. Um, uh, it, it feels hard, and that's because we are uh, continuing day by day to crucify our passions and desires of the flesh. Um, whenever we start to get the kindness of Jesus, whenever we start to internalize it, we will ultimately be more kind, more compassionate, more others-focused to the degree that we understand the magnitude of our unworthiness, the more grateful we will be and the more willing to extend kindness to those who don't deserve it. Because we didn't either. Uh, we feel so entitled to the kindness of the Lord, but we never have deserved it. Um, so no matter what uh, situation you find yourself in, whether it's at a restaurant with a, with a bad waitress or waiter, uh, whether it's in a, in a nasty political conversation, whether it's uh, in an uncomfortable situation, um, be kind. Because uh, ultimately it bears witness to the God that we serve. It bears witness to the Savior who redeemed us. And, uh, and he receives glory from that. Let me pray for us and then we'll, then we'll be dismissed. Father, we, we thank you. We thank you so much for the kindness that we've received from you. Lord, we, we glory in the fact that, that though we were sinners, that you stepped in and you, you took an interest in us. You, f you focused on us in a way that healed our souls. Lord, we, we ask that you would give us power from the Holy Spirit to live lives that are marked by this kind of focus on other people, to live lives that are kind, compassionate, tender-hearted. And we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.